Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Thanks for tuning in. It's episode number 578 in the continuing story of the grace of God on Growing in Grace. I'm Joel Brzezinski along with Mike Kapler. No, this isn't Pigs in Space. That's where that was from. In case some of our <laughs> some of our <laughs> listeners aren't familiar with that, the continuing story back in the day on the Muppets, on the Muppet Show. But we we are here to talk about the grace of God. It's what we do every single week here. Growingingrace.org. All the past podcasts found there. Every single one of them. Feel free to download and listen uh, to as many as you want. And uh, also check us out on Facebook.com slash Grace Roots, YouTube.com slash Grace Roots. And you can find us uh, at Grace Roots on Twitter. I tweet every once in a while. How's Mr. Kapler doing? Oh, just fine, Joel. Thanks for asking. No, you're welcome. Um, I uh, I don't really want to know. You know, as we get older, if we could just retire a little bit early, I don't know how we'll do it, but if we could... Uh, maybe we could do a shorter podcast and just do them every day so you and I will still have something to do. <laughs> well, yeah, if we need something to do when we're old, <laughs> just do a short one. Yeah, a minute will probably wear me out by then. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe 30 years from now, uh, we'll be doing a podcast and, and we'll have to stop because, uh, you know, the great grandkids are coming in to visit or something. There you go. <laughs> so where you want to pick up this week. We've been in the book of Hebrews. So, so much good stuff here. I think the goal was to try to get through chapter 10 today. And, and we haven't really been going verse by verse here, but we want to hit on the things that we feel are such key components to uh, this, this new covenant that we're in. And so much stuff that we have covered really for quite a number of weeks now, but we're not just going verse by verse necessarily. So just kind of picking up on where we left off last week. Uh, the writer of Hebrews, right around, uh, let's say, I don't know, chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stimulate or stir up one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Stick around because we got uh, Joel kind of teased something last week that we're about to get into, something very misunderstood. But also speaking of a little bit of misunderstanding sometimes, when we get caught just looking at the individual verses, Joel, I've heard Hebrews 10.25 over the years that this was the reason people should be attending church, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Hmm. You know, not that, you know, as we've said many times over the years, we're not down on the church. We're not down on you uh, getting together with other believers in a in a weekly service or more than once a week, you know, whatever you want to do. But, you know, this verse here, he's writing to the Hebrews. Now, these are people who have been under this old covenant for years, and now they're finding out and being encouraged in this, uh, what the writer says, new and living way. Uh, this way of Jesus Christ uh, that came through Jesus Christ and, and his flesh, this new and living way that Jesus provided for us, 
the remission of sin, all of our sin taken away, walking in full assurance of hope, holding fast to the confession of our hope. And what is our hope? It's the blood of Jesus, not our performance. For he who promises faithful. And so let us consider one another in order to store up love and good works. Or like uh, the version you're reading from there, uh, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That's a good thing to do, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. These people were in need of much encouragement uh, because they were tempted to go back not to a life of sin, but to a life of animal sacrifices, a life of not having their hope in Jesus, but having their hope again in, in these animal sacrifices that really couldn't take away sin. And so, but I think we can still apply this to ourselves today. We can get together, whether it's on a Sunday morning in church, or whether it's a, a handful of believers gathering together, Encourage one another. Figure out how you can stir one another up to love and good works. That's a really good thing. The, the thing about this is that it's not a demand. It's not a law. It's not a rule that you must go to church. But really, he's just wanting the people to get together and encourage each other. That's really what it boils down to, I think. Yeah. When you see the first word in the next verse, verse 26, my version says four. What, what does yours say? Yeah, four. Four if we sin. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, so kind of playing off of what's just been said, and, and you pointed out some good stuff. For if we go on sinning willfully, keeping in mind who he's talking to here, even though I agree with you, we can still apply verse 25, not forsaking ourselves together, encouraging each other. You can apply that to today. But it was even more powerful back being written to these people at that time because mm-hmm. As you mentioned, the scenario that they were coming out of, the Old Covenant, sacrifices of animals and and all the things that came along with that, uh, there was going to need to be a lot of encouraging going on. For if we go on sinning willfully, and and boy, you talk about a misunderstood verse Mm -hmm. that's hammered by legalists out there across the world. If we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Now, Joel, years ago, before I understood the gospel of grace, um, I would get caught in this in the uh, verse tunnel vision and uh, having no idea what was being said before this, certainly not the verses before it, certainly not the chapters before it. I didn't understand the context. Um, and so I would look at this and say, well, this is kind of scary. This is terrifying, as the writer says in, in 1027, to go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for your sins. So I might interpret that as being, I'm in big trouble because I sinned and I knew what I was doing when I did it. And now you start to wonder, where do I stand with God? You know, especially when you hear teaching along those kinds of lines. Uh, Really all that's being said here, and this is so easy once you understand the context, let me paraphrase here. If you were going to reject the one sacrifice, remember now, the, the priest offered many sacrifices, countless sacrifices. But if you're going to reject, but God brought all of that to an end. He brought, a, he took away all those sacrifices that the priest stood doing time after time over and over again that couldn't bring forgiveness, or couldn't take away sins. So God ended that system and provided this one sacrifice for all. And uh, if you're going to reject the one sacrifice that God has provided for all of mankind, if you're going to reject that one 
and you go on sinning willfully after receiving the, the knowledge of that truth, then there's no sacrifice left for you. The old system, the old sacrifices, they ended, they exited, they were brought to a close. There was one sacrifice. Reject that. There's no sacrifice left for you. You'll have to face judgment. All right. You know, one point we try to make a lot on this podcast is you got to remember that the writer isn't just writing in verses. I, you, you mentioned that. And we can't just take these things one verse at a time and, and build our theology on that or our understanding on that one verse. If we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. That in and of itself, along with the next verse, but a certain fearful expectation or terrifying expectation of a judgment, fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Holy cow, I've sinned. You know, what am I going to do? I'm doomed. But you look back and you realize that, again, he wrote this whole epistle, not just a few verses. Earlier on in this chapter, he's talking about, like you were saying, this one sacrifice. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, and he's talking about how God says, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's verse 17. And then look at 18. We talked about this last week. Verse 18, now where there is remission of these or forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Why is there no longer an offering for sin? Because they've been taken away, because the one sacrifice did it all. So fast forward to verse 26. The same thought process is being continued here. Again, like you were saying, he's not talking about if I sin, then Christ's sacrifice doesn't count for me. No, he's saying there is no other sacrifice other than this one sacrifice of Jesus. That one sacrifice of Jesus took it all away, took all of our sin away. And so if we go on sinning and reject this sacrifice, we've got to remember that there is no other sacrifice. And so there's only a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries because anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, that's verse 28, of how much more punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. Like you, Cab, that used to scare me, and I used to think that if I sin, and again, I understood what I did, I sinned willfully, well, if I've sinned, then I have trampled the Son of God underfoot. I've counted the blood of the covenant by which, he was by which I was sanctified a common thing. I've insulted the spirit of grace because I've sinned. But that's not what he's saying here. You trample the Son of God underfoot. You count the blood of the covenant by which you were sanctified a common thing. You insult the Spirit of grace by rejecting that one sacrifice of Jesus and making it about the blood of bulls and goats or even about your own, own performance. When I was a kid, Joel, I was kind of a, a jokester, and, and I, I think I had a book. I was called something like a, a Thousand and One Insults for All Occasions. And man, <laughs> there were some great ones in there, and I, I love to fling those onto people. <laughs> just, I, I can know. see I was, that. I can picture it. I was a good-hearted guy, but um, I just loved throwing those funny insults on people. Mm -hmm. I can still remember some of them today. They were so good. Uh, there's a thousand and one ways in which religion insults the spirit of grace. Mm. And it's not because we're not living up to a certain standard. It's because we haven't trusted enough in the one 
sacrifice that, that Christ brought for us. Look, if forgiveness, and I know this has been mentioned before, but if forgiveness needs to be given out again, if it needs to be distributed to us again because we sinned, then we have a problem. Because remember back in Hebrews 9, Jesus entered not a, a temple made with human hands, but the holy of holies where God himself, his presence was there. This will of God that was done on earth as it is in heaven, we got to make that connection. But you see, if Jesus didn't succeed in what he came to do, he would have had to have been sacrificing himself over and over again since the foundation of the world, the book of Hebrews tells us. So uh, this is all great news. And Joel, this has been fun going through the, the book of Hebrews with you. Yeah, it's really been good. And you know, I'm going to fast forward just a little bit as we wrap up. Verse 39, the writer ends this chapter. He was ending the chapter with these words. Not really. But, uh, we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. That's what he was encouraging the Hebrews with. We're the ones trusting in the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, and, and we are the ones who believe to the saving of the soul. That's what the blood of Jesus has provided for us. Well, next week, it's Christmas Day. It'll be our, our first Christmas Day podcast in 11 years and so uh, we're going to be uh, not sure exactly what we're going to be talking about we'll figure it out so join us next week on Christmas Day for Growing in Grace this has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski heard online through various internet sources around the world each week to access hundreds of past programs visit graceroots.org share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace